Hi, I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. There's the Queen's wave. <laughs> David and Joanna Herbedian, we're loving to do these lives, and uh, we are with uh, virtualchurchmedia.com, so you can pick us up there. But tonight, we are in a live audience. Everybody say hello. Hello. <laughs> it's excitement. T-G-I-W. Thank God it's Wednesday. <laughs> So uh, last week we were on the subject of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. With all you're getting, getting, get understanding. We're going to get into some scriptures tonight, but I just want to start in prayer tonight. Holy Spirit, come. We need you to illuminate the Word of God to us. We don't want to just have a sermonette for the Christianette or seven points in a poem. We want revelation from your word that would become the engrafted word that's able to fill and flood and transform our lives and transform our souls with the anointing. And we thank you for this. I pray that you would now, Lord, release an angel of teaching to the shoulders of each individual. Your word says that in Isaiah 58, that we'll hear a voice behind us that says, here's the way, walk ye in it that you'll guide us with your eye. So we ask for Holy Spirit leading, guiding, illumination. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to shift things tonight in our lives, to uproot, to pull down, to overthrow, destroy, that you might build and plant afresh. We pray that you would carry us to the next level. And I'm reminded of Revelation 4.1, which says there was a door opened in heaven and a man said, come up hither, come up higher. So we accept that invitation to go through the door of revelation tonight, that we might see things from heaven's perspective, looking down, co-heirs with Christ, seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in you, Lord, as sons and daughters of God, that we might become positionally co-heirs to direct traffic on the earth with our declarations, our proclamations out of relationship with you. And Psalms 45, one says, our tongue is the pen of a ready writer, that we speak those things we have received as touching being in relationship with the king. Psalms 45.1, and I thank you for Psalms 42.7, where deep calls unto deep at the noise of your water spouts, of your presence, all your waves and billows, of your presence in the Holy of Holies, washes over us. And as we leave your presence, your presence goes with us, where Peter's shadow heals the sick. And handkerchiefs and aprons from our bodies are released to others to drive out demons and to bring healing and to establish your kingdom in earth that it might be done in these earthen vessels and around us in the earth that it already is in heaven. Those in agreement said, Amen, amen and Amen. So last week we talked about knowledge. Now there's great parts of knowledge 
Um, God wants us to have knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I'll reject you as my priest. So we want to have knowledge. Knowledge is important. Knowledge is like water. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. You could go on the internet. You could Google something. There's a lot of information and knowledge. But just knowledge alone is not sufficient. We need understanding. Understanding is like containers to gather the water in. And wisdom is like knowing where and how much to pour. So we don't just want to fire hose people with water. We want to refresh them with a fresh drink. And so when we speak a word in season to him who's weary, it's like, a nice beautiful glass of water it's like apples of gold and settings of silver so is a word fitly spoken knowledge puffs up but love builds up so all the time that we have knowledge it's nice but we need to have it tempered with understanding and wisdom so that we refresh people and don't just fire hose and tell people how much we know and people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care so we're on Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Last week we were on knowledge. You can go back on Facebook on our virtualchurchcommunity.com. We'll take you to our public Facebook page, virtualchurchcommunity.com. And you can also pick it up on, on SoundCloud, on audio. But last week we were on knowledge. This week we're on understanding. And next week, well actually next week we're going to be out of town. But the next time we meet, will be on wisdom. So what is knowledge? Like water everywhere, easily accessible. Understanding is like gathering water in containers and uh, wisdom is knowing where and how much to pour. Is that a good illustration? Yeah. So there's a distinction between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, water, understanding, containers to gather it, and wisdom knowing where and how much to pour so we just don't walk up and splash people, but refresh people. So today we're going to talk about gaining understanding. Last week we went over the definitions of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The definition of knowledge for a recap is facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education. The theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. Number definition of understanding is the ability to understand something, comprehension, having insight, or good judgment. And the definition of wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. Last week we talked about knowledge and it goes hand in hand with understanding. We shared several scriptures on this. Here are top two scriptures that we shared on knowledge. Actually we have a little bit of a typo, but the bottom line is this. With all you're getting, get understanding. And we know that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We're required. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So God's into knowledge. He wants to give it to us. And knowledge is effectively power. And so my wife is going to join me now at the piano. And maybe just kind of set an atmosphere. Because in 2 Kings 3.15, the king called for the prophet. And he said, Elijah, I'm sending for Elijah. And he says, Elijah, prophesy to me. And the prophet said, bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass as the minstrel played, 
the prophecy spirit, the spirit of prophecy fell upon the prophet and he prophesied to the king. Now the king may not have liked what he said, but it was still the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes people don't want you to prophesy to them, they want you to prophesy. <laughs> and so people come to me, they're like, uh, you know, when you give me a word from the Lord, I'm like, uh, I'm getting one. And, and uh, they may not like it. And, and, you know, Jonah had gotten the word of the Lord in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah, son of Amittai, go unto Nineveh, a wicked city, and preach to them. Tell them in 40 days, you know, you're going to be done. And Jonah's like, no, I'm not doing that. And so Jonah went through some tough times. He bought a ticket to Tarshish. And when you don't obey the prophetic word of the Lord, you end up going the wrong way. And see, Jonah was sent to Tarshish, or he was sent to Nineveh, but he went to Tarshish instead. And the minute you get off point with God, and you went somewhere instead of being sent somewhere, what happens is you end up paying your own way. It says that Jonah went and bought a ticket to Tarshish. But when God sends you, God's will, God's bill. When you're out of the will of God, you can normally tell because your your wallet starts to decrease. And it won't be that it's not that God won't have you spend some money on things, but he re refill your coffers. But so he went to Tarshish and he got into a ship and he says he went down to buy a ticket, then he went down to the harbor, he went down to the ship, and then he went down to the base of the ship. And anytime you get out of the will of God, you start going down, down, down. And eventually God sent a storm. Then they threw him overboard at his own request. They were more righteous than him. They didn't even want to do it. He says, no, you got to get rid of me to get the curse off of you. I'm a backslidden, disobedient prophet who went and I brought this trouble upon you. And so they threw him over reluctantly and God prepared the ship, the storm. God prepared the fish, a giant fish, a whale. And, you know, people can live inside of a whale like 103 to 105 degrees, kind of like Bikram yoga, but you know, a little more juices. It'll eat all the hair off your body and uh, take all the melon out of your skin. So when you end up, because they've actually, whaler, you know, ships, whaling ships would actually get whales and they would cut them open and they've actually found humans in, like somebody fell overboard during and they caught the whale and as they cut him open the person was in there and they were unconscious they were alive and they'd been in there for for you know not weeks or anything like that but all the hair from the stomach acids were eaten off of their body and all the melon in their skin was gone so they look like bald hairless casper the friendly ghost now i just want to put this in perspective that god will use anything and so he'll use our disobedience but obedience brings the blessing. Disobedience brings the correction. And so can you imagine Jonah's been in the belly of the fish, even as the son of man was in, even as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and nights, the son of man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and nights. So we know it was a 72 hour period and you can actually live for a while inside of a Bikram Yoka whale, right? And it's free you can go if you want, but eat all the melon, and hair off your body. So picture this, naked Jonah gets spit up on the beach 
directly into Nineveh. Now he bought a ticket to Tarshish, but God got him rerouted with the whale, and he's naked, hairless, and he looks like Casper the Friendly Ghost, white. He's, you know, he's got skin, but he's got no color in his skin. And he's running a three-day journey, and he does it in one day. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the whole nation repents. So if God wants to get something accomplished, he can get it accomplished even in the midst of our disobedience. The easy way? You can either do it the easy way, or you can do it the hard way. But when you got a call on your life, so when you see people that are called of God and they don't obey, pray for them because they're going to go through some stuff. And in life, we're either going to be in a storm of perfection like the Apostle Paul in Acts 27 who was obedient unto the Lord, but he still went through a storm and God perfected him to the next level and all 276 passengers were saved. Or you could be like Jonah in a storm of correction to get back on track. Now the beautiful part about this is, Paul was in a storm of perfection. God was taking him from grace to grace, refining him to the next level. When he lands on the island, on the Isle of Melita, or Malta, or honey, sweetness, in Acts chapter 28, with all 276 passengers, you wanna know what happened? He immediately goes to work. He's been on a 14 day fast. No food, no water, praying in the spirit, I'm sure. And God gave him all 276 passengers. An angel appeared to him, fear not, Paul. Your prayer has been heard. They must stay on the ship to be saved. He announced that they stayed on the ship. It broke in pieces. They got on the island. He gathers sticks. And right after he gathers the sticks, a serpent comes back and latches onto his arm. Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean you won't have some serpent issues. <laughs> Sometimes you could have a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan sent to buffet you, not because of what you did wrong, but because of what you did right. And I can tell you some stories, we won't go into them tonight, but some of the worst demonic attacks I've ever had were when I was really right with God. Now you can have some when you're not walking perfect too. Those are called corrective serpents. <laughs> where the others are per, per, perfective serpents. Now, it's not that the devil's perfective or corrective, it's that God uses them to perfect you and refine you. So, in the storms of life, even if you're in error and you went versus one who said, when you repent, God will get revival in Nineveh with wicked people. You just might look like Casper the Friendly Ghost with no hair on your body. 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Or you might look like the Apostle Paul with a serpent on your wrist. And then there was great healing revival that broke out on that island. So that's just a little illustration on the journey. And it's important that we know not just God's acts, which are his miracles, but we know his ways. God made known his acts unto the children of Israel, Psalms 103.7, but he made known his ways unto Moses. So when you know his acts, you'll experience miracle signs and wonders, and that's great in the wilderness. But when you know his ways, the signs and wonders will flow through you. How many would rather know God's ways and have acts flow through you instead of having to wait for a man or a woman of God to show up so you can get your miracle? I'd rather have relationship with the Lord, get my own miracles, and operate in miracles 
than have to wait for somebody to show up in town. I don't want to have to call a pocket profit on the phone to get a word. I want to be able to get on my knees and hear from the Lord myself. Is that a better way to do it? So in life, all word with no spirit causes a person to dry up, all spirit and no word causes a person to blow up and blow out and blow off. And a good measure of the word mixed with a good measure of the spirit causes us to grow uh, in Christ. So that's why we do these Wednesday night Bible studies. These are not sermonettes for the Christianette. These are the word of God, which is not just the milk of the word, but strong meat. And sometimes you've got milk, sometimes you've got strong meat, and in between you've got a little hamburgers and french fries, right? <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. Joanna, you want to share? Yeah, I'll just add to what you're saying because okay. it's really good. Um, you know, so I was reading a, a this is a really simple illustration of wisdom and a simple illustration of understanding. So wisdom is walking in the power of right judgment. Right judgment. So wisdom is walking in the power of right judgment. And understanding, which is connected to wisdom, is exercising the power of discernment. Now that really struck me. Understanding is exercising the power of discernment. So my question for you guys tonight to be praying about is where has your mindset been lacking discernment? Is it spiritual discernment? Is it emotional discernment? Is it uh, financial discernment? What, what, what is it? Because I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to give some people a breakthrough in their mindset tonight, which is connected to some of the struggles that maybe you've been experiencing and you just have this hindrance on you right now. So I'm gonna repeat this again. Wisdom is walking in the power of right judgment and understanding is exercising the power of discernment. So discernment is to have the ability to see past what meets the eye. So for example, if you have someone that comes to you and says, oh, hey, I've got this great deal. You know, we've got this investment that's going. It's gonna be Guaranteed. great. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Okay, but sometimes it, it, it looks really good. <laughs> and but and in our in our discernment, we don't discern what it really is because of what's in our heart. And here's the next scripture, Proverbs 15, 14. So go ahead and look that up. That's Proverbs 15, 14. And it says, the heart of him that has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on foolishness. Repeat that. I'm gonna repeat that. The heart of him that has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on foolishness. Can I jump in? Yeah, there jump real in, quick? As I read this before you did, as I was just looking at the verse, when I saw the heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. There are some programs on TV over the last many, many years that I've seen that are like these panels and people are arguing over who did this and the whole nine yards. I don't even want to give voice or airtime to name these programs. But people were screaming and yelling, do this and do that. And I'd just be watching them like just foolishness, feeding on foolishness. And now we have things like TikTok, where there's some really interesting stuff that could be very educational on YouTube, on Vimeo, on TikTok. 
Then there's some other stuff that is absolute foolishness and people spend hours and hours flipping through these 30 second, one minute videos and feeding on foolishness instead of knowledge. What are you spending your time on? Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, we all with open face behold him and we're transformed or changed into the image and likeness of him by the spirit of the Lord. Well, whatever we look at, we become more like. If you look at foolishness, you'll become more foolish. If you look at wisdom personified, Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And we look at him, we're changing in the image and likeness of his son by beholding him through his word and through worship and sitting in his presence. But fools will watch. I'm not even going to name the programs. I don't watch the programs, but I remember because I did 20 years in prison. Guys would be in prison TV rooms and like yelling and screaming at the at the TV and I'm thinking they can't hear you and they're like coming up with answers on what the person should say and I'm thinking it's all worldly wisdom I remember I was watching a program and it was on bullies I don't know why I'm on this but it was on bullies and they were confronting their bullies from like junior high and high school and it was like you know a decade later they're going to face their bully and this and that and they're telling their bully and the bully's like I don't even remember doing that to you Trump talking, still talking fly to him. And, you know, they're facing their bully with courage and they fail. And I remember there was this, uh, this woman and she was like, you know, probably 30 years old and she was a pretty big gal and this girl's coming and she says to her, I'm really sorry that I did that to you. And she says, but, but you did this and that. She goes, I'm so sorry. And it disarmed the woman. She says, what, what you don't know is, and this is not an excuse. She says, I was bullied by my older sister. And I was bullied by my cousin. And I was so hurting, hurting people, hurt people. And I came and passed this bullying down and the pain that I was carrying. And I transferred that to you to make myself feel better. She says, and I'm so sorry for what I did. And it changed the whole atmosphere on the program. And she says, well, uh, she says, will you forgive me? She says, you know, I met Jesus and I got born again and he showed me what happened to me and he began to heal me of those things. I'm, I came on this program today to ask you to forgive me. And she says, thank you for having the courage to confront me. So I'm not that person anymore. She says, but would you forgive me? And it changed the whole atmosphere. And they didn't know what to do with the program because they wanted to feed on foolishness instead of behold him and be transformed into the image and likeness. And so they literally got off of that person and you could see, and then they were hugging on the program and the camera would get off of that because we need, you know, we need drama and hatred and, 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 and all this confrontation and violence. And they were fist fighting and other people. Anyway, don't watch those programs because you will feed on foolishness get in the word of God and feed on knowledge, understanding and wisdom. Okay, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, just, you know. No, that's good. So here's what's interesting. There are over 150 references to understanding in the scripture. And that's more than the Holy Eucharist and water baptism combined, which are important, but God wants to get, with all you're getting, get understanding. Right, so, 
I want you guys to be meditating with the Lord right now on where do you need to have a deeper understanding, which is a deeper discernment. Because wisdom and knowledge, the Bible says, is like silver and gold. And we are to seek that above all things. Because if we have that, then we make choices that are wise based on that, right? So where in our lives have we made those choices? As you're reflecting on this and the Holy Spirit brings things to you, um, have you walked in pain, poverty, trouble, you know, issues in relationships because you didn't have the understanding, the discernment, or being able to make a right judgment decision? And so what are some of the things that influence our decisions? Mm. Whatever's in our heart. Repeat that. What are some of the things that influence our decisions? It's what's in our heart. So it's what we're believing. So I'll, I'll use myself as an example. You know, decades ago, I was previously married and my man picker was broken. And I married, you know, someone that was, you know, from Satan. <laughs> <laughs> she married Lucifer incarnate. Yeah. Man picker broke, yeah. No, I was not. That's exactly right. I was not wise. Now, God took me on the road to Damascus journey, right, in the wilderness for 16 years. And so she was on the road to Damascus, and God set her free from her Damascus friends. That's right. But here's what the Lord showed me, is I lacked wisdom, and I did not have proper discernment. Why? Because in my heart, Proverbs 15, 14, the heart of him that has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on foolishness. Well, for me, my motive at that time was really based on selfishness. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a husband who was going to take care of me and help my dreams come true and make my ministry with him. What's in it for me? The whiffum. The whiffum. That was the heart, my heart. Now, I didn't know I was operating in that, right? I thought, I, you know, I'm serving God and I met this guy. And even though I had a check in my spirit, there were things, you know, everyone's saying he's going to be a great guy and yeah, he's going to be a good husband. But I had a dream and I didn't know how to understand the dream or interpret it. And so I allowed myself to get pressured. And then I went through hell, right? So that's an example of choices that led me to pain, poverty, loss. Now, here's the great thing. God is so good because what the enemy meant for evil through my mistake, God turned it around and it is now my greatest platform. And it taught me, I allowed it to teach me. I allowed God to teach me through my mistakes and looking at myself because I said, God, hold up a mirror to my face and show me how I ended up in this mess. That's how, a scary how did you choose prayer. this guy? right and and god did so i encourage you guys tonight to ask god the same question where you have lacked wisdom and discernment knowledge uh, understanding what was inside your heart because you need to see something tonight you need to have a revelation because god is positioning his children to go to the next realm but we can't go to the next realm until we get understanding on why we are have been stuck in the place that we're at right now because we're not meant to just be mediocre we're not meant to just be oh you know well that's great you know god's doing signs miracles and wonders over there but it's not happening in my life well that's not god's will 
because Jesus said, you will cast out devils, you will heal the sick, and you will raise the dead. Okay, so this is why this, this teaching is really, really pivotal. So Job chapter 38, verse 36. Job 38, sorry, chapter 30, verse 38. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Who has given understanding to the heart? So that's the key, is the heart. So in my heart, I was selfish. It was all about me. In my heart, I wanted something. And so I compromised against my better judgment. Now, I didn't sleep with him before we, we got married. I was very adamant about that. So at least he didn't get that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there we have it. I'm on a roll tonight, guys. <laughs> That's right, okay? Why buy the milk when the cow's yeah. free, all right? Okay, that's a whole other sermon. I'm writing a book on this stuff, and we'll be getting into it. <laughs> and we were celibate before we came together yes, on our we wedding were. night. Yes, that's she right. was single and celibate 16 years, and I was single and celibate 25 years. Oh and so gosh. it's the right way to do it. But, you know, you can be single and celibate and still marry the wrong person. Yeah. Yes. So you can be, you know, partial obedience... There's another word for it. It's called disobedience. Wow. Partial obedience is called disobedience. And you know what delayed obedience is called? It's also called disobedience. But good news, there is forgiveness. Right, there is. Now, here, here's the scripture I want to read in Proverbs. So this is, go to Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 7. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. You want to read that, honey? Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. And the previous verse was Job 38, 36 for those that are taking notes. Job 38, 36. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom. What are the Proverbs for? For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to get wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, I would encourage you to read at least one chapter of proverbs a day in addition to anything else you read in the scriptures now how many proverbs are there there's 31 and when you get to the end of 31 today is october 18th you could read proverbs 18 and tomorrow you could read proverbs 19 and how will you know what day you're on on proverbs you'll be on track and you can kind of take notes i encourage you to take uh, an ink pen highlighter if you mark up your bible really really good i'll buy you another one <laughs> the good news is if you mark one up really really good you've had such a time in there you don't want to let it go it's because it's, you know i've got like twenty thousand hours in my bible with all those markings and it's like you know it's my but the point is this proverbs 1 on the first of the month proverbs 31 you get through 31 god will give you a proverbs 31 wife uh, results may vary, but you keep doing it year after year. I had to do it 20 years, and God brought me a wonderful woman. Amen. The point is this. I call her a Proverbs 62 woman. I call her my double portion Proverbs 31. <laughs> wife. 
scoops. Two scoops, that's right. Double for my trouble. Beautiful on the inside and the out. So the thing is, if you look at Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, that's a godly Proverbs 31 wife. So for those that haven't read Proverbs yet, go there, check it out. And if you're a man, that's the type of wife you're looking for, not just outward appearance. She looks good, and then you find out she's the world's only living heart donor. (laughs) (laughs) Amen or ouch, right? The ice queen, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my point is this. If you read Proverbs, you'll have knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And when you run into people on the street, you'll have that discernment because the Lord will bring into remembrance based on Proverbs. And as you read Proverbs, you'll be reading, you'll be like, well, that's like Bill, that's like Sally, that's like Shanika, that's like Boo Boo. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I'm in business with this shyster. How did you find out? You're in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. How did you find out you ran into a honest person who swears to their own hurt and don't go back? Because you ran into Proverbs, you're like, oh, that so-and-so does that. So now you can gravitate toward the right group. There's a interesting statistic that you know, be careful who you hang around, you might become like them, right? Amen. You hang around bad people, bad company corrupts good morals. That's right. So bad morals comes by hanging out with the wrong people. You know, good morals comes by hanging out with the right, right people. And if you hang out with righteous people that walk in godly humility and favor and the word of God, they'll have an anointing on them and the anointing comes by association. That's you right. rub elbows with them and that Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding is imparted to you. You hang out with fools, you'll become more foolish. So we are normally, our knowledge base, our wisdom base, our understanding base, our anointing, our relationship with the Lord is in relation to the five people that we spend the most time with. So if you're around people that constantly bring you into the flesh, bring you into the soulless realm, bring you into sin, change your people group ask the lord say lord would you migrate these people out and migrate new ones in and if you hang out with five broke people you will be broke i'm just keeping it real you hang out with five wealthy people you'll be wealthy because the anointing comes by association knowledge comes by association understanding comes by association wisdom comes by association gifts of the spirit come by association king saul was chasing down Samuel to kill him. And he kept sending companies to go capture him. But when they would get near the prophet, the spirit of the Lord would fall upon him. Actually, he called fire from heaven. He just burned him up. Saul got near him and he started to prophesy. So here he has a murdering spirit, but he gets around somebody who's anointed. Bam, the anointing comes on him. He starts prophesying to the point where they said, is Saul also among the prophets? So people can have bad intentions. They get around you when the anointing's strong enough, it'll come off on them. It may not stay on them because their heart is so wicked, but eventually it'll transform them. So the five people that you spend the most time with should be godly, anointed, gifted. They should have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And if you're the smartest person in your people group, you're in the wrong group. If you're the most the wealthiest person in your people group, you're in the wrong group. If you're the most anointed person in your people group, you're in the wrong group. You need to get around people that have more than you that can pour into you 
not just the people that can suck life from you. Is that helpful at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just ask God to change your people group. Ask for upgrades. Right. Because as you get upgrades, you'll get upgraded, and then when you go back to that other people group, you'll be able to pour into them, but don't stay. Don't stay. Or you'll be pulled down because attitude determines altitude. Some people got a bad attitude, but an attitude of gratitude will increase your altitude. Anyway, so, go ahead. Yeah, just to add to that, um, in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, that's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding, which is discernment. So I'm going to read this again. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So David was just talking about the people group. So the people group, the people in your closest friends who are in your circle right now, reflect where you're at. Wow, repeat that. So your friend group that you hang out with right now reflect where you're at. Because you're most comfortable around them. And what's inside of you. So I'll give you another personal example. So partly in my first marriage, what attracted me to a man who initially was not like this, okay? He was nice and, and funny and generous and he served in ministry. But the minute we got married, he flipped and his true colors came out. So the question is, why didn't I see his true colors? Okay, well, the reason was on the inside of my heart, I believed and I felt, because I didn't know my identity at that time, that I wasn't worthy. I didn't believe that I was beautiful inside and out, that God had a special plan for my life, that I deserved to be treated with respect. And so what would come out of his mouth is would reflect what I believed about myself. So I attracted a man who validated what I really felt on the inside. Repeat that right there. I attracted a man who validated what I felt on the inside. So what would come out of his mouth? Oh, you think you're going to amount to something? There's nothing right about you. You need to get a boob job. Your butt's too fat. You know, I'm just wow, being we're honest really around. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we have to we have to get to a place where we start getting honest with ourselves and with each other because if we can't get honest with ourselves and admit, "Hey, you know what? I really screwed up on this. I did this and yes, this was the butt of my heart." Then how is God going to use you? How is God going to help you shine like a diamond. We are diamonds on the inside. And diamonds are forged in the fire, in the deep fire of the earth. But see, this is part of the problem with the church is that they haven't gotten honest with themselves. And so this is why tonight I want you to ask the Lord, get honest. Okay, what really was my motivation? And here's the thing. When we come to the truth about our true heart, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because he died for us he died for me he died for you for my imperfections for my failures and but when we come to that place where we can acknowledge and admit where we failed where our motive wasn't right where our heart was not right that's the grace that's the beauty of salvation that's the beauty of forgiveness where i am forgiven and then i get another chance and then i use knowledge discernment 
and wisdom and understanding with God's word to change, which is repent, which means to change my mind. And then we come into freedom. Then we begin to shine with that characteristics of God, which is joy and peace and love and forgiveness and compassion and mercy and all these things. Now we're not called to be doormats. Mercy is different than being a doormat. And so, but that's a whole other teaching. And so, <laughs> Psalm 119. Let me just throw this yeah, in Yeah, throw here. it in, honey. If you're single, it's better to be single and wait upon the Lord than you be married yeah. to the wrong person. And God can't bring you the right person as long as you're dating the wrong one. Amen. Yeah. I, I had a, had, a, had an ex-girlfriend when I got out of prison after my little 20-year hiatus. Um, I was friends with her. I was born again. and She was dating this guy and that guy. And finally, she called me one day. She says, God spoke to me. And I said, what did he say? I was crying out to him. Why do I keep finding the wrong guy and this and that? And he spoke to me. I can't bring you the right man as long as you're with the wrong one. And she says, so I need to stop and wait until he brings me the right man. And I was like, wow, that's a heavy revelation. And I was single at the time, and she was, but I knew we wanted to be together at that point. And uh, the long story short, she couldn't wait. She ended up getting married. That guy committed adultery, and she's gone. And she just had been in that pattern, and it's sad wonderful person but sometimes in our identity we can't wait we need that validation so we believe the lies the number one reason why we're deceived biblically you want to know what it is the number one reason why we're deceived is we want to be tell me lies tell me lies tell me sweet little lies the number one reason why every one of us fell prey to deception the business deal we wanted to believe it was true we have a tendency to Photoshop people's pro people's true colors, or we have a what's another word for it? Not Photoshop. Yeah, it, it is. We 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 Photoshop what's really there, and and we excuse it, and we, we face paint it. it. What's that app on the phone where you can face app? You can face app. What's the other word? We we varnish them. We. Anyway, bottom line is we see these things in people, and I'm not talking about pointing out faults, but we, we Photoshop, we, we basically we face paint people, and then when all of a sudden we face painted them, we varnished them, we've, we, we, we've covered up all these flaws, these true character issues, and we've engaged them in a business deal or relationship, and their true colors come out, we're shocked that they were that way, and everybody else saw it. So we've got to stop photoshopping people's character it's okay to recognize it pray for them and even lovingly confront and call it out and say that behavior is not okay and what happens is we do them a disservice when we engage and then get pillaged or hurt or wounded we've got to stop doing that we have to stop doing that we've got to acknowledge where people are at if I was still where I was at 25 years prior to meeting Joanna, she would never have taken a second look at me. And 
she and I both had to pass pass tests with each other on the journey. And when we met, we weren't even attracted to each other. Not initially. I mean, I matter of fact, we it was like seven or eight months or a year, I forget what it was. It was about eight months. It was about eight months and when God brought the blinders off, we were shocked that we were attracted <laughs> to each other. And I'm like, I'm David Herbedian. I don't get, you know, sparks. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou has not in mind the things of God but a man. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm attracted to him. We were like, you know, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, our eyes were open until he lifted and we're like, oh my gosh, that's the Lord. And so we saw each other. We were like, and I was like not wanting to make a mistake. We were very emotionally intelligent about it. So we had become friends and she was an intercessor and I was in ministry. So she said, you know, can I, you know, intercede or anything for you? And I said, yeah. So she would call and she wasn't weird like, you know, some other intercessors I'd met that had the Jesus vision. And uh, yeah, so when Joanna and I first started dating, she flew to Kansas City and, you know, lost six good tithers that night. All females, single divorcees, but I don't know if there was a correlation. But my point is sometimes people aren't always in your life for the right reason. And you have to recognize that when people are not there for the right reason, you can kind of help them through, but be aware that their motive may not be matched with your motive. Amen. And if it's not matched with your motive, I'm going to give you this illustration. There's a thing that I was always confused in math class called Venn diagrams when I was in college and high school, and they always confused me. There's these three circles, and they overlap the Venn diagrams, and I could never understand how you get the right answer with Venn diagrams. Now it's very simple, right? Very simple, but I just didn't have understanding. So here's where people make mistakes in life and in ministry. Let's say you have an overlapping circle. That shaded area here is where you have commonality with that person. And you could have like three people and they're all kind of in ministry together in this area where they shade. But then the person that you're in ministry with, it's like this perfect synergy. But then you want to pull them over here into a network marketing company to make money with them. And so you pull them out of the shaded commonality area into a business area and they're not called there. And you end up getting them on the auto ship and wreck their life and it wrecks the relationship and this and that. Okay. Or you end up getting them involved in your ministry for Africa and they're called to the United States or India. Or now all of a sudden you want to like get them to intercede for all of a sudden, the minute you leave the area that you have commonality and shading, which is perfect synergy, you either pull them out of their assignment into your vision or they pull you out of your assignment into their vision, and that's when there's false expectations. And so when somebody's assigned to you to intercede, that doesn't mean they're assigned to marry you. And just because somebody's got money and they're funding your ministry doesn't mean their motive is to fund the kingdom. They're trying to buy the minister. I, I had offers on three automobiles when I got out of prison. Two of them were Mercedes convertibles and I respectfully declined because they wanted to ride in the seat next to me in the convertible, but they were willing to buy it cash. So I came out of a Mercedes-Benz lifestyle in a Rolex watch and immediately I'm back in one, but nice single divorcee Christian women 
may not have had the right motive. And I was able to recognize that, those that wait upon the Lord. That's 13 years later. I'm still not driving events. Could really care less one way or another. But my point is, those offers were given and they look good because, wow, look at that. I'm restored. But not in the right way in the right time. That Mercedes-Benz could have been a very expensive Mercedes that I got as a gift. Right. And it could have come with a soul tire relationship and false expectations. I had another person one time call me on the phone and said, Dave, God told me to give your ministry $50,000. And the Lord says, I didn't tell him that. I'm like, I'm re I rebuke you, Satan. Because <laughs> yeah. we could have used that money. And he says, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to give you $50,000. When my CDs just came due for $100,000, I want to give you fifty. And I said to him, I said, you know, the Lord spoke to me. He said, what did he speak to you? Am I supposed to give you the whole hundred? I said, no, you're not supposed to give me any of it. He said, what? I said, yeah, that's not what God's spoken to you. And he says, really, Dave? And I said, yeah. Now, he had received healings, created miracles in the shoulder, both knees, and, you know, God had set him free from some stuff. And so he wanted to honor that mantle, but it wasn't at the right timing, and that's not what God was doing. And he said to me, he says, you're the first minister who turned money down in my whole life. He says, you're authentic and you're genuine. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. Still 50,000 short on this deal. But my point is, you gotta obey the Lord and wait for him to promote you at the right time. If I had accepted and not had discernment, I would have been driving a Mercedes with a gal that I wasn't assigned to be with, number one. Amen. Number two, it could have derailed me in my ministry and faith, and I wouldn't be married to this Proverbs 62 amazing double portion Proverbs 31 woman. So those that wait upon the Lord. If you're married today, you're with the right person. Work through it. Pray through. If you're single, those that wait upon the Lord and renew their strength. So don't be concerned about what they come with as trappings of life because it could be traps. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wait upon the Lord and he'll give you whatever you want because he's a good father. And it's not about stuff because that's not really the issue. But I'm just giving you an illustration of how people get tripped up and trapped because of the motives of our own heart because we have something in common with that thing. If you were to offer me certain things, I would be abhorred by them. You'd offer me other things, I'd be like, well, that raises an eyebrow. There's something in every one of us that the enemy's gonna try to hook. And if you have something in you that starts to get ignited or hooked, go to the Lord about it and say, Lord, I'm starting to feel ignited or hooked. If it's you, confirm it. If it's not you, kill it or deliver me, root it out. Good root, good fruit, bad root, bad fruit. But remember, fish respond to certain bait. So do we. So find out what's in you that would cause you to react to that bait and ask the Lord to deliver you and change you from the inside out. Then he'll bring the person you're assigned to. And it'll be absolutely marvelous. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to leave you guys with this final scripture, which is uh, John chapter 8, 32. It's not in the notes. John chapter 8, 32, verse 32. And you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. Exactly.
I want to share one thing about this. Jesus says, and you will know the truth. That means knowledge experiential. It's in your gut. You have an understanding of it. He didn't say the truth would make you happy. He said the truth would set you free. Right. So what's the number one reason why we're deceived? We want to be. So when truth comes, sometimes the truth, although it's delivering and it's liberating, it can be very, very painful. It was for me. When God showed me my, my heart, when I asked him to hold up that mirror to my face and he showed me how selfish I was, I was like, oh, it's so ugly, Lord. I'm so sorry. It's not fun. But guess what? When we have emotional courage, then God will set us free. And that's what it's about. Freedom. Walking in freedom and shining like the light, the diamond within us that God's created us to be. Because every part of us is a reflection of God. And each and every one of us is a different diamond. There is no diamond like you in all of the earth to come or to that was. And so let's let God shine his light of truth in our hearts and get real and get honest so we can be set free and we can shine. And then we can be all we're called to be. Exactly. Come into our real destiny instead of a false one that we've been living. Right. And then as we shine, we help other people shine. And that's how we build an army for God. This is how we raise up an army so we can take these mountains of the media. Guess what? We should have spirit-filled, strong, fire Christians that have the best social media platform that overpowers any other social media. We should have shows and we should have movies that outdo any Marvel movie in the industry, right? So it's time for us to shine. It's time for us to get, stop being mediocre and start being superstars who God has called us to be so we can help bring his glory, his salvation to the earth and help the captives be set free. Are you guys ready to be set free? All right. Ah, that was not very convincing. Are you guys ready to be set free? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Let's pray, you guys. Go ahead and start, David. Lord, I thank you that you want us to shine like the noonday sun to introduce people to the real sun, the sun of the living God. We pray, Lord, the prayer of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when you said, Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, Lord, here I am, send me. And immediately you had an angel take a burning coal from off the altar and you put it in his mouth and it burned up everything that wasn't from you. And then he became a prophet unto the nation of Israel and he became profitable unto you for kingdom advancement with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom going out to the people from you. So Lord, we know that you're saying, whom shall I send? We hold up our hands and we say, Lord, send me. Send us, Lord. Raise us up. Have your angel take the coal from the altar and put it in our mouths to cleanse us and then fill us with your word with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom 
that we might have a walk worthy of you, pleasing in your sight, fruitful in every good work. Thank you, Lord. I'm reminded of a scripture, it's out of the book of Philemon, it says, Onesimus, receive him back. Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave who escaped from his slave master. And you had to serve a certain amount of years. Whether you were in debt, you'd have a seven-year bit, be like a prison sentence or an indentured servant. And if you didn't finish your seven years, you escaped, you bring you back because the person owed you for seven years. At the end of the seven years, couldn't keep a slave longer than seven years, then if the person wanted to stay under your leadership, they would put an all in the ear, they'd clip it and you become a bond servant you're not a slave anymore you're a bond servant by choice and you've been given great authority in the house and the slave owner was required to take care of the slave, his wife and his kids and meet all of their needs if he was a bond servant because he was no longer paying a debt now he's having his needs met but Onesimus literally ran from the slave master, stole things, and ended up in prison, getting ready to be extradited back. And Paul was in prison for the gospel, and this guy who was disobedient, a thief, and his name is Onesimus, which means unprofitable. Mm. You imagine your dad naming you? What are we gonna, what, let's name him unprofitable. We'll call him Onesimus. That sounds pretty good. Let's call this one Snake, this one, you know, Delilah, you know, great. So here's what happens. Paul sends a letter by his own hand from behind bars. Onesimus gets born again, changed from the inside out. And Paul knows when this slave gets back, the slave owner who legally has it for that time can punish him. Instead, Paul writes a letter. He says, you bring that slave owner. I know him. I've preached the gospel and he got born again too. He says, you take this letter from my hand. And Paul says to Philemon, who owns this letter, Philemon, I'm writing this with my own hand. Onesimus, who used to be unprofitable, is now profitable to both you and me because of the gospel changed him. And he says, if he owes anything, I'll pay it myself. I'm signing on to his debt. And then he says, but Philemon, you know that you owe me your very life, of which I've never asked anything for. So I'm asking you to forgive him, even as Christ forgave you. And Onesimus, who was unprofitable, has been begotten through the gospel and is now profitable to both you and me. Can you imagine going back with that letter and Philemon getting it and this guy who stole from him now is profitable and he trusted with the keys to the house again because he's been changed by the power of God. I imagine because of that extension of God's grace, Onesimus became a very profitable servant and maybe at the end of his servitude, he may even have said, I want to remain a bond servant in the house. Give me the all in the ear. I'm all in. And when you really get grace from God through people, extensions of his grace, Jesus with skin on, you want to give him everything. There was a woman who was being sold into slavery 
and she was an attractive woman. It was during slave days, and as she was up on top and she was healthy, people were like grabbing her and this and that, and a guy came by and he saw the, the slave bidding, and as he walked up, he yelled out with a bid five times greater than anybody else had bid on a slave that day. And everybody felt silent. And he went and got her, and she had chains. He walked her over to the table. And as he looked at her, she spit in his face. Grabbed a napkin, wiped the spittle off his face, put it back in. He got the papers, he signed them, and he handed her the papers and he unlocked her. She said, I don't understand. He says, here's your emancipation papers. She says, what do you, what do you mean? She said, I bought you to set you free. She says, what? I bought you to set you free. She says, you bought me to set me free. You bought me to set me free. You bought me to set you, to set me free. The thought of it was so mind-boggling that he paid five times more than anybody else would, not to abuse her, but to set her free. And she fell at his knees and she said, you bought me to set me free? She says, I will serve you forever. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He was hung up for your hangups and mine. And he bought us at a price nobody else was willing to pay. He bought you to set you free. And that's why we'll fall on our knees at his feet and we'll serve him forever. Because we're all in. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to... Repeat after me and maybe repeat it afresh for fresh commitment because he bought you with such a great price, the price of his own shed blood on Calvary to set you free. And you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you and me way too much to leave us in our current condition. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me personally. And you paid far more for me than anybody else would. The only reason they'd pay something is to bring me into bondage and servitude. But you paid a price five times higher to set us free. So if you want to receive Jesus, just invite him into your heart right now. Say, I exchange my life for yours. And I receive freedom in the glory right now. Forgiveness of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Holy Spirit, come in and change me. Cause me to have a name change from Onesimus, unprofitable, to profitable to both you and me. In Jesus' name you said that prayer, email us at info at virtualchurchmedia.com or put it in the comments. 
We'll get you some stuff over. We'll even give you a personal phone call. We love you with the love of the Lord. God bless you. I'm David. My love. I'm Joanna. God bless you guys. We're the Herobedians, virtualchurchmedia.com, virtualchurchcommunity.com on social media. We'll see you not next week, but the week after. That's God right. bless you. God bless you guys. Thank you.